Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You're likely familiar with the phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's just, it's fact, I believe. Uh, Not bragging here, but when I was in my schooling days in junior high, high school, I I was a good student, uh, and I was, I was good at math. I actually really liked math. I excelled in it. I was in the highest classes that you, could, that you could take and did really well. And now, well, as my children are learning you know, basic multiplication and division, I find myself uh, struggling sometimes to even figure out how to do this. How do you divide two two-digit numbers? I don't even know. Like, the computer does it all. For me, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, when I was in my studies studying to be a pastor, we learned biblical languages, uh, the Hebrew that the Old Testament is written in, and Greek that the New Testament is written in. I got pretty good at those languages, could just open up and read the Hebrew and open up and read the Greek. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't use them as much as I should. I do look at them, but I now have a bunch of tools that I use that help me to interpret those things. And so the same goes there. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you want something to move from purely head knowledge into simply your way of being, if you want something to be in your nature and have it come a second nature, just happening without thinking about it, you've got to practice and practice and practice, and practice. Even the professional athletes will tell you you got to practice, and practice, and practice. I'm making the assumption here, I know the vast majority of you in this room, that you consider yourselves to already be followers of Jesus, Christian people. And if that is you, if you consider yourself a Christian person, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I ask you, when do you practice your Christian faith? When do you practice it? Or do you even think about practicing your faith? For a lot of Christian people, people think of their faith as something that is kind of in their minds and their hearts and maybe that they get in touch with on Sunday morning. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm so thrilled that you are here today, but do you even know that that is what you have been called and commanded by Jesus to do, to put this into practice? Maybe you don't even know how to do it. How do you practice Christianity? Well, this is why I as pastor and our church leadership and more and more trickling into the way that we are, the church here at Saints Peter and Paul, are passionate about discipleship. Discipleship. I've shared in previous sermons, but some of you have never heard this before, that I have a discipleship coach myself, a discipler, you could say, kind of going to that children's uh, sermon image, somebody that helps lead me in following after Jesus. His name is Dr. David Kim, a pastor. Uh, He lives down in Houston, Texas. I meet regularly with him. I have for years. And I meet with another group of Missouri Synod Lutheran pastors meeting with him, helping us stay accountable 
to this great commission task that we've been talking about, this command from Jesus to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And so I have somebody that works with me to do that, and in return, I have become more and more intentional about discipling other people. There are a handful of people in this church, some in this room, that I have spent time investing in uh, on a weekly or bi-weekly, monthly basis, teaching them how to follow Jesus and not just stopping there, not just giving them Bible information, but teaching them how to teach other people how to follow Jesus. Even in our church, we've had 20 people over the last six months meeting monthly with me and with Dr. Kim uh, beaming in from Houston, Texas, teaching this group how to be disciples and disciple makers. And so we are multiplying disciples and disciple makers. But let me just slow down for a minute. Because some of you are wondering, Pastor, I don't even know what the word disciple means. <laughs> so let me slow down here for a minute, and let's talk about this today. What does it mean to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker? The theme of this sermon is follow me, go and be disciples and disciple makers. In this sermon series that we're calling Follow Me, Go and Be, each week we are uh, adding uh, a phrase to the end after go and be, something Jesus tells us to go and be. And today Jesus tells us to go and be disciples and disciple makers. My goal today is that you walk away from this place at a minimum knowing what the term disciple means. But even more than that, my goal is that you walk away from here today desiring to be a disciple, and even to be a disciple maker. In our reading from Philippians chapter 4 today, chapter 4 verse 9, we read these words. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. What's our context here? These are words from Paul, the apostle, writing to a church in a city called Philippi where there were Christian people that he had raised up. He had spent time there starting this church, building it up, raising up people. He, he, he mentioned a whole bunch of uh, names at the beginning of this reading, people uh, that, that he has entrusted the gospel with to teach these people. Paul spent time with his church in Philippi and he loved this church and what did he spend time doing with them? Teaching them. And what did he teach them? Jesus. He taught them Jesus. He taught them about the love of Jesus. The unending love of Jesus. He taught them about the forgiveness of Jesus. He taught them about the peace of Jesus. He taught them about the humility of Jesus. That Jesus was the one who humbled himself by becoming a man, being born into this world. This Jesus who humbled himself to the lowest place a human can go, to the place of death, 
even death on a cross, and Paul taught them that Jesus did it for them. And I am here to repeat these words to you that Jesus did this for you. For you, you are loved (laughs) and forgiven people. Now, if you don't know Jesus that well, if you're just kind of getting to know him, spend time here at the cross of Jesus and let Jesus shower you with his love, knowing that when you are at your lowest, he comes to meet you. When you are dead in your sins, he makes you alive. Jesus comes for you and to you. Spend time there. But for those of you who consider yourselves Christians and who follow Jesus, who want your eyes to be fixed on Jesus now and forever, consider this. Here is what Paul is saying in these words. Paul is saying to the church, I have modeled my teaching and my life after the teaching and the life of Jesus. Now do the same. The first verb is very important here. What you have learned. What you have learned. Well, that kind of disappeared on the screen. Well, it's still there. It's uh, L-E-A-R-N-D. What you have learned. What you have learned. Put that, well, you can put the other one back on the screen. You'll see it better. Shane, just go back a slide. There we go. What you have learned. The Greek word, uh, that the original language for this word learned, uh, is, is the Greek word, well, a variation, uh, a conjugation of the word mathete. Mathete, okay? Mathete. Um, mathete is the Greek word that means learn. Learn. Or in this case, uh, in, in Philippians, it's past tense, and so it's learned, but it can also be translated learn, learning, learn. Uh, or in, when it looks like this, mathete, it means learner. Learner, or one who is in the process of learning. This is the word, mathete, that gets translated as disciple. Okay? Disciple. So a, a disciple is what? A learner. Somebody who's, who's learning. But we have this English word, disciple, which, I mean, this is one of those church words. You just don't, we don't use it in, uh, you know, English, our English language all the time. So disciple, the reason it's in our Bibles is it comes from a Latin word, uh, discipulus, which also means, guess what? Learner. Learner, okay? So if you see the word disciple or you hear me say disciple, what does it mean? Learner. Bingo. Thank you, Silas. Learner. Learner. He got it. Do you have it? Learner. Everybody say it. Bingo. Learner. So, if you see disciples, say learner. All right. So, back to Philippians chapter 4. Paul is saying here, what you have learned from me, put it into practice. Paul is just being a good teacher here. He's being a good teacher. He's, this is what good teachers do, right? They say, let me teach you. Now you try. You try it. Let me teach you. You try it. You know, last week I gave an example in my sermon about, about mountain biking. And not to, uh, not to uh, overdo this, this image, but 
uh, my, my, my good friend Bryant Weathers, who um, actually I've been discipling him for the last few years. He's now discipling me, teaching me how to mountain bike, all right? So we went on a mountain biking ride, and I followed after him. But, but he, didn't, he didn't just teach me what to do, but he also said, follow after me. And so as I followed him, I watched the way that he leaned his bike. I watched the way he went around the corners. I watched the way he put his pedals. And I, I imitated that. I did the same thing. And now when I go by myself, I know a little bit better how to safely and appropriately do these things, right? Before I went on a mountain biking trip, I did watch YouTube videos, how to mountain bike, but you can't just sit on the couch and watch YouTube videos of how to do something and then consider yourself a mountain biker. You've got to actually go and do it. You understand how this makes sense? I think the most and best practical, just we're being super practical here today, a super practical way to help you understand what a disciple is and what a disciple maker is, is to use the image of a teacher and a student. Teacher and a student. We have a lot of teachers uh, in this room. Just a couple of days left in your school year. You're almost a summer break, right? A lot of teachers in this room who, have, uh, who are uh, who committed in their careers to teaching children. But every one of us in this room have been students, have been students, right? And so I want you to think just uh, in, in your own mind for a minute. When you were growing up or at some point in your life, who was your favorite teacher? Just think, who was your favorite teacher? Put their name or picture in your mind. Who was your favorite teacher? And then I ask you, what is it that's memorable about that teacher? Why, why would you consider that teacher your favorite teacher? In all of my relationships as a student with teachers, the things I remember most about my favorite teachers all had two things in common. One, they had a relational connection with me. They seemed to go out of their way to know something about me, unique about me, so that as they were teaching, they knew how to apply that to me. I remember those relational connections with teachers. But the second thing that I remember and, and about their coursework in particular was that we had the opportunity to do something with what was being taught to us, right? You actually got to put it into practice. I remember my high school physics class where we were uh, handed a, a bag of stuff and a raw egg and said, make something so that this egg can be dropped and it doesn't break, right? And so uh, my team constructed something, and it was so good, we had to go to the roof of the school building and drop it off. I mean, that's memorable stuff, right? So there was always a relational connection, and there was the ability to put into practice what was being learned. So the question becomes, why would we not do the same thing with our Christian faith? Why would we not do something with our Christian faith, the most important thing you could ever learn or know about or put into practice, something that has eternal significance for you and for other people. This is what discipleship is, and this is why Jesus commands it of his followers. This is why he says, make disciples, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Paul says, what you have heard and learned and received from me, practice these things. 
You're probably also familiar with the phrase, practice what you preach. Practice what you preach, right? There are a lot of people who are critical of Christian people these days because they would say, well, Christian people say one thing and seem to do another thing in the culture. And a lot of times they're right. We are, by nature, sinful and unclean and sinners all the time in need of repentance and forgiveness, yes. But this is what discipleship helps to shape in us, that we are more and more shaped and molded into the likeness of Jesus, so that we don't just live on our own in this world, but we live as Jesus in this world. So discipleship is the opportunity to be a learner, be shaped and molded, but also to shape and mold and teach other people how to follow Jesus. Now, maybe you're sitting there going, man, pastor, I don't, I mean, I I get it, but I don't, I wouldn't know the first thing what to do with a Bible. If if I was to sit down and try to teach somebody about something here, I, I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know if my life should be one that somebody else should model their lives after. I mean, I don't know. If that's the place that you find yourself today, then you are in the position that you need to be discipled. And that's great. That's wonderful. Be a disciple. Ask somebody who is mature in the Christian faith to walk with you to intentionally walk with you. I've graduated from the seminary. I know some stuff about the Bible, but I asked somebody to disciple me and show me, hold me accountable. I can't do this on my own, right? Ask somebody who's mature in the faith to read scripture with you, pray with you, hold you accountable to this great commission task. Ask you, how are you doing? Talking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. How are you doing? Talking to people who know Jesus about Jesus. Are you leading other people to Jesus? And then, do it. And if you don't know who to ask, well, again, I've been training 20 people in this church over the last six months who are poised and ready to be disciple makers. Ask me, and I will get you connected with somebody. And over the course of the next few months, at some point, we're going to be starting intentional discipleship groups, small groups, for this purpose to learn about Jesus, but not just to learn about Jesus, to actually put Jesus into practice. So look for that and pray about the opportunities to get involved. Now, putting your faith into practice does not mean you have to quit your job. It doesn't mean you need to move cities or countries. Right in front of you all of the time are discipleship opportunities and and places where you can put your faith into practice. So in this sermon series, each week we're going to look at some of those practical places where Jesus says, follow me, go and be. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, go and be family. Go and be family. The week after that, we'll talk about go and, go and be friends. The week after that, go and be workers. The week after that, go and be citizens. And the final week, go and be neighbors. But let me just clearly state this as we're wrapping up today. Putting your faith in practice, it will not save you from your sin. Let me just be super clear about that. Putting your faith in practice will not save you from your sin. It won't get you into heaven. It won't merit you extra credit points with Jesus even. Your doing doesn't deliver you. Your performance doesn't promise anything. Jesus is the one who saves. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect when we are weak. 
Jesus is the one. His gospel is beautiful and sets you free from sin and death and the devil. That is what you need for eternal salvation. Rest in his grace and in his peace. Cling to his promise, but then put it into practice. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we're talking about practicing stuff, this is where it all begins. This is what needs to be put in practice daily by all of us, including me. To lay it down, lay down our sin. To deny our selfish natures. To say, Jesus, I don't want any of this baggage. I don't want this sin. I don't want this temptation. I don't want any of it. I want it to die. Let it die with Jesus. That's what he's promising you. And then he says, let me restore you to new life. Follow me. Follow me. The word of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus is authoritative. That's what we saw in the Gospel of Mark today. Jesus speaks a word and it is authoritative. He casts out demons. He says, the people were astonished at the teaching of Jesus, for he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The word of Jesus is authoritative. Authoritative over demons, authoritative over sin, authoritative over death itself. When Jesus speaks a word to death, you know what comes? Life. You have been set free from sin and death and the devil. You are alive in Christ. You have the newness of life today, every day. His word is authoritative and it speaks to you saying, I love you, I forgive you, I restore you. Now follow me. Follow me. I'm preparing for you. Teachers who will teach you. I'm preparing for you. Students who you will teach. I'm preparing you. Follow me. Follow me and go and be disciples and disciple makers. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you're...